Here we go. All right, we're here for another episode of the Nudgecast. Matt Gamble, I'm Phil Bean. Nobody cares. We're here to talk to someone way more interesting than us. Um, and I'm excited to get, dig into this today because we get to deep dive on some really exciting and interesting stuff with Laura Poberin. And we're going to talk a lot about connection. I'm really interested in this because, you know, we do a lot of online and remote coaching, uh, helping coaches navigate the space where they're not, you know, face-to-face, knee-to-knee with people all the time. And connection can be hard to establish. So glad to have an expert here, someone who's way more interesting than us to guide us through <laughs> this conversation. But before we dive into how to establish deep connection with clients and all that good stuff. Laura, can you give us a little bit of kind of your background? I know you have this kind of winding road, yeah. kind of personal journey story. I'd say one of the most it, interesting so stories of any guest we've had, I would say, really? or like wow, one of the I'm most, flattered. well, wait, before I get like, hold on, like I'm going to give you top three right out of the gates, but okay. the, um, I think one of the most unique ones, and I think it, it just ties in so well with this topic back into the remote coaching. Mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. this is a topic a lot of coaches, hopefully anyone listening, I think it's something a lot of people take for granted. And I really think everyone needs to kind of like hit pause, take a step back and really think about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm so psyched to be here. Um, connection, like we're going to chat about today is just so near and dear to my heart for a lot of different reasons, but I guess it really started for me. Well, I've been in the game 13 years, <laughs> which makes me feel ancient, but yeah, I've been nutrition coaching uh, for 13 years now. And it all started back in this little personal training studio. I was like your typical trainer. I would plan out all my workouts before all my clients would come in. And you know, this one day, one of my clients, Brenda, she came into the studio and I saw something different on her face, right? She, she wasn't her typical bubbly self. She was, she was very clearly down. Something was going on. And in that moment, I I remember thinking to myself, like, Brenda does not need me to kick her ass on the gym floor today. Like, this is not going to go well. Not what Brenda needs today. Not what Brenda needs today. So let's take Brenda for a walk instead. And I just intuitively asked her to go for a walk. And on the walk, I started asking her about her childhood. And I started asking her, like, what is it you're getting out of these sessions? And what are you looking for in your life? And, you know, how can I help you better? And, And she started spilling her story to me about her history of child abuse and food abuse and food addiction and all of these really traumatic experiences that have led her to be working with me. And in that moment, I remember walking back through into the gym I was like, I looked around and all these trainers were were training their clients, just going through the motions. And I'm like, we cannot just be people who take our our clients through the motions. Like there's so much more going Mm -hmm. on in their lives. And we have to be able to connect to that. We have to, we have to have a system. We have to have a process. Someone has to help these people figure out that the reason they're here has nothing to do with food and nothing to mm-hmm. do with exercise and everything to do with everything else that's going wrong in their lives, right? So that sort of started this love affair for me of understanding the way people make decisions and why we fall into habitual patterns and the way that our emotions influence the decisions that we make and how we feel about those decisions in our lives, right? So Anyways, fast forward, I'm diving down the deep hole of exercise and nutrition and psychology and everything. 
And I, I get my degree, whatever. And I start opening a gym with my husband. My husband and I, we opened a gym together soon after I graduated university. And we had this tiny little personal training space. It was wonderful. Um, we built this really tight community there. It was very family-like connection-based, right? Everything I do is so based in connection. And we got to this place, as many entrepreneurs do, as many gym owners do, where we outgrew the space, we were working 90 hours a week and loved it at that time, mm -hmm. loved it. And we were like, okay, is this it? Is this our ceiling or do we expand? Do we keep growing? And at this point, we're five years in, right? We're like, okay, we, this can't be it. I have the entrepreneurial bug now. So we expanded. We took out a half a million dollar loan. And we quadrupled the size of our gym. We brought on a team under us of eight coaches and we hated it. We hated it. <laughs> we fell into like this management role where I wasn't connecting with the clients anymore. I wasn't even connecting with my team. I wasn't connecting with myself. I was just in this new role of managing everything and hoping it didn't just fall down on, on top of us. And ultimately, because I took that role, that's exactly what happened less than a year later. We decided to walk away from all of it. We took on a hundred thousand K of personal debt to do so. And I was really ashamed of that at the time, but I think it's really powerful now for me to share that because that was such a pivotal moment in my career. I can't imagine not taking on that debt and walking away because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And in doing that, naturally we wanted to run away. So we packed up our life we put it into a 10 by 10 box and we moved down to Mexico. We, we lived nice. there for a time. Yeah, it was amazing. It was like this fresh start. We, we were on the beach. We weren't in Canada anymore. And it just allowed space to really think through what next steps were going to look like for us in that transition. I, you know, to support us, we were coaching online still. We had shifted a lot of our clientele purely online. So we were fully remote. I started coaching other nutrition coaches on how to shift their businesses online as well, because we did it so quickly. And so successfully, I started getting questions like, how are you living in Mexico? What are you doing? And so I have just... those same questions, by the way, <laughs> how are you living in Mexico? How do, how do I do that? Yeah. Honestly, Mac, like, I'm in a basement in Virginia, which could not be farther away from a beach in Mexico. That's okay, dude. I'm in a condo in Canada and it's cold up here. So um, yeah, I'm really missing Mexico this time of year, but it's actually really cheap to live down there. We can talk about how to live in yeah. Mexico. Off, podcast next podcast, yeah. moving our coaching businesses down to Mexico. How to move to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. but I think like the, the whole purpose of doing that was to create space. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for coaches, especially to, to learn how to create space, even if it's not making such a drastic move as moving down to Mexico. But what that did is it allowed me to dabble with what it would look like to actually work more closely with coaches. And what I found inside of the quote unquote business coaching hat is that I started to grow the businesses of coaches by teaching them how to work with their clients better. Like our conversations always circled back to connection with your clients, empathy with your clients, communication strategies with your clients, how to figure out how to create better results with your clients outside of strategy and tactics and tricks and hacks and all of these things that the industry likes to shove down our throats, mm -hmm. right? And so in doing that, I freed a lot of coaches from the box that they had sort of been shoved in from their certification, gave them permission to start showing up as they always wanted to, 
And we grew their business because people started lining up to work with them because the results they could get their clients were guaranteed, right? It was amazing. And so inside of doing that, that led me to walk away from business coaching completely and build a certification for coaches to teach them exactly how to do that, how to create deep, meaningful connection with their clients, how to make their skill set the differentiating factor in the marketplace how to create deep, meaningful change in their clients' lives by shifting their identity, dissolving triggers in their lives, that sort of thing. So that's what I'm doing now. And that's what we're here to talk about today. That gives us so much to dig into. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. I'm trying so hard not to get distracted by the Mexico story. I know. Um, but all right. We can just Someone, I'm looking cool. up flights right now. Y'all can I know. help me keep the train on the tracks. Um, okay. Connection, connection, connection. That's what we're totally connection, here to talk about. I swear it. Um, you, you got into it a little bit. You want to kind of flesh out just to make sure that we're speaking the same language with the folks who are listening, mm -hmm. um, kind of what you mean when you talk about connection, what goes into it. Um, just, just flesh that out a little bit for us. If you don't yeah, mind. I'd love to. I think to start what connection isn't, it isn't a strategy. It isn't a tactic. It isn't something you include in your program because it sounds good. It isn't accountability, right? It isn't like the way you email or the way you text or your availability. That's not what connection is. Connection is what people feel from you when you can understand and see the world through their eyes and you're able to relate to them on such a deep level that they feel seen and heard and understood better by you than anyone else ever perhaps. So when I say connection in the terms of a coaching relationship, it's stripping away all the external noise and intimately being present with your client so that they feel safe to show up as they truly are. That's what I mean when I say connection. I think this is just incredibly timely and serendipitous because this is, you know, Phil, we harp on this all the time and, you know, you've heard me on a soapbox plenty on this, but, you know, we tend, we tend to see from the nudge perspective that most of the coaches that really struggle are the ones that jump in to try to go too scalable too quickly. They focus oh, on yes. the, the communication, the scalability, you know, how do I manage 300 people remote, you know, those, those types of questions. And I think what we tend to find ourselves saying more and more regular, uh, regularly is shift your focus really towards the front end of building rapport, building connection. Mm -hmm. And if you do that the right way, you will unlock scalability long-term, but you, you can't focus on the, on that side of things first or too soon. Cause if you really haven't built rapport, you haven't built connection, people aren't going to stick around. And it's something that I feel like the industry is starting to recognize. And I think there's more mm -hmm. attention towards it. So I love the fact that this is something you're, this is kind of like you're, you're, you're banging this drum. You're kind of marching in here. And I, I love <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. I think that, I think when coaches first get into the space, they start asking a bunch of questions that they've been conditioned to ask that don't matter yet. Right. Like how am I ever going to work with 300 people? Well, <laughs> you don't even have three yet. So why don't we focus on how you can like make that relationship really powerful? I think that coaches need to, for lack of better words, earn the right to scale to that degree, right? I think when coaches scale too fast in that direction, they're doing it primarily because they want to make money, not because they want to serve and help and connect with their it's clients. It's robotic. I think it's, it's a very it's robotic. The faster you go towards scalability, the more robotic your experience becomes. And there's a yes. mantra in the startup world that I, I think is so relevant here. Do things that don't scale. Because yes. I think if you really focus on kind of in from a standpoint here, we're talking about kind of client service spend that extra time with clients. I don't care if it's not scalable, like 
build that connection, you'll figure out how to scale it long-term. But I just feel 100%. like if you rush into it, you can torpedo it all. I totally agree. I have a very similar saying that I use with my students. I say like, enjoy the inefficiencies, make your process as inefficient as possible because that's when people feel held. And for like, just as a really quick example, um, trying to get people booked into your calendar, right. Or even booking a consult into your calendar. Everyone's so fast just to send a Calendly link when you know, taking that extra step just to say, well, what time works for you? What about this time or this time? It matters. It matters. It makes people feel connected to you. It's connection isn't this big thing that you do once and you nail. Connection is built in the minutia. Connections built in the teeny tiny little intricacies that people like to um, systematize so that they don't have to do it anymore. But in doing that, they lose such a valuable piece that can make you a powerful coach. So the things that feel inefficient, just start to enjoy them because that's how you're really going to be able to be powerful and impactful in your clients' lives long-term. You know, what's funny is that's probably a hot take from this episode and it shouldn't be that a Calendly link might not be the warmest way to get someone on your, <laughs> on your schedule. Yeah. I've always been Calendly averse. I'm like, oh, but like, I just want to make them feel special. <laughs> I, I think what's so interesting about this too is th- this conversation and it happened after our first one too, is it's, I think this is a really great exercise for anyone who's working with clients remotely because I think it makes you, I think you have to be so much more deliberate with each step. You know, you have to be better, I think, about reading between the lines. If you're not spending, you know, if you're not seeing a person face to face every single day. And I think you've just outlined this so incredibly well of, you know, the messages you're receiving, the things you kind of pick up on, you, you have to be able to identify when there could be something going on. And it may not be, I guess, what you would consider like X's and O's or hard data. It may just be kind of that feel. And I think it's sometimes people brush that off very quickly, but I actually think it's, that may be part of the the kind of secret sauce to unlocking the growth efficiency and scale we all want to reach at some point. A hundred percent. I love that you brought that up. And I think, you know, that's a skill that takes a long time to master if you're not naturally empathic, right? I would, I would consider myself quite empathic. Like I'm pretty good at knowing exactly mm-hmm. what someone's feeling when I'm interacting with them. A lot of people are, but a lot of people aren't. And that feels really difficult. So what I would say to those people is start to recognize how you're feeling in those moments, because very often the way that you're reacting is actually a reflection of how they're really feeling. So for example, if you get um, a really tough text message from a client, I'm so frustrated, the scale's not moving, da, 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 da. And then you feel this resistance as a lot of coaches do like, oh, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not following my advice, they would see results if they would just do X, Y, and Z. That feeling in you, that resistance, that tension, however that comes up for you is probably very similar to how your client is feeling. And by simply starting to recognize my ego is showing up here. I'm reacting to this. This is nothing to do with them. This is everything to do with me, but let me let this be a mirror to better understand what my client might be feeling Mm -hmm. and just allowing that to open up a pathway of communication between the two of you remotely. I hope anyone who's listening to this right now, like for me, because I do, I work with a lot of our partners on the implementation side. So like all of our nudge white label implementations, like I'm doing a lot of coaching that more like business coaching of those folks. And I feel like this has kind of hit me square in the face and I'm hoping anyone else listening is like, oh shit, I should be doing things a little bit differently. What would you say? Like, what's one thing, like, what's the starting point here? If, if you're someone like me, that's like, 
oh man, I need to re like reevaluate how I'm doing things. What's like the one piece of advice or like the starting point you think a person can kind of take away from this? Okay. Yeah, for sure. So number one, literally what I just said, awareness of yourself, your own reactions, because essentially um, there's a two parts to this. So one A, one A is noticing your own reactions. Okay. Because when you react to something your client is or is not doing is, or is not saying to you, whether it's positive or negative, what's essentially happening is your ego, your identity Mm -hmm. is spinning a story about what that means to you. You've been conditioned based on your experiences over the course of your life to view things in a very particular way. So for example, let's use the same, the same lady, Mm -hmm. Becky, let's call her. She's not seeing results because she's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. And she's starting to feel down on herself and play victim mode. Right. And so when you see that, You've been trained perhaps to work hard and do the thing and take the steps and you're driven and you can't understand why Becky can't just track her damn macros. Right. So if you approach that conversation through, mm-hmm. well, are you do, are you following the plan? Well, are you tracking your macros? Let me see your macros. Let me look at your diaries. You're not tracking. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. What happens to Becky? Well, Becky is now viewing the world through her lens, right? Right. She hasn't, she hasn't had the same experiences as you. She doesn't have the same beliefs as you. So she doesn't understand why you're attacking her, even though perhaps you're approaching it from an educational perspective. And that's the way that you're seeing it, right? You're educating her. You're fixing her the problem. So can you see how your ego and Becky's ego, your identity and Becky's identity are clashing? And because of that, that causes corrosion in the relationship. Okay, so step one, one A, is understanding and becoming aware of your reaction. If you can understand your reaction, if you can become aware of your reaction to whatever is happening. (laughs) She made an appearance, the cat photo bombed the podcast again. I heard her screaming upstairs. She just, I think she's just yearning to go famous. She's going to be YouTube famous. We got to get her like a little bow tie or something. I know. Oh my God. Little party hat. She's not enjoying this. Um, if we can, if we can become aware of our reactions, we can become aware of our ego and that allows us to create space between what's, what Becky's experiencing and what we are perceiving that to really be. Okay. Step two or (laughs) one, one, one C. Apparently, I need a lot of work. Not, what, not your fault this. at all. There was a cat involved. All I know. Now I'm totally thrown. I For said I wouldn't get thrown. If you think Laura just lost her, her the track of what she was saying, that's not the case at all. There was weird <laughs> stuff going on everywhere. Okay. Laura, look through my lens for a minute. There's a cat. There's a cat screaming at me over here. I need somebody to really just like get in my shoes right now. This is this is happening. All right. One B. One B. One B. One B. One B is start asking questions about the perspective of Becky. So better understand what lens Becky is viewing the world through. Becky, tell me what feels uncomfortable about tracking your macros? What felt hard last night about tracking your dinner? What would make this easier for you? Have you had experience in the past tracking your macros? Why was that positive for you? Why was that negative for you? Do you see yourself tracking your macros in the future? Would you be open to a new way to do things, right? Now, instead of going, we'll fix your your macros and fix your tracking 
track the night before, da, 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 right? Now we are actually inviting in a conversation, a dialogue around, help me to better understand the way that you're viewing this situation. Why does this feel hard for you? What is What beliefs did you have about macros, about tracking, about weight loss that are stopping you from being successful with this strategy? Maybe it's not macros. Maybe it's the fact that I'm giving you a strategy that doesn't match your core identity, mm-hmm right? That is ingrained in you. And if I give you a strategy that, that challenges your identity, you're never going to be successful. So let's talk about that, mm-hmm. right? I think it's just so important to understand that if we can meet these conversations more empathetically and put connection and communication at the forefront of every interaction that we have, not only do we get, do we get way more quality information back from our clients, but now we're in a position to actually lead them forward successfully because we aren't just falling into teacher fix it mode because our ego has a problem with being challenged by Becky not being successful. Oh crap, Mac, I think the ego's in the way. I'm just now. I'm. It, how's Becky doing? I'm rooting for Becky now. Like, Becky's I'm really great. Into Becky is like my token Becky. example client. I've never worked with a Becky. I don't know if I ever will. But I, I think her we for called everything. her Brenda first. I can't remember this. I feel like this this character's morphed and evolved. But real real quick, as I'm thinking about it, so this almost sounds like doing almost like a personality analysis when you're first working with a client. I mean, do you go as far? You know, everyone's heard of like disc analysis and things like that. Mm. I mean, are you almost when you started working with clients, were you almost kind of identifying kind of which category they were kind of, you know, the different personality traits and then kind of matching, I guess it sounds like your, I guess, matching your approach to whatever their personality characteristics were. Yeah. When I first started coaching, no, um, I actually developed my own framework. Gotcha. It's called mm-hmm. the six faces of food. And so there over like my last 13 years, whatever, I decided to accumulate all of the different types of clients I've ever worked with and break them up into different identities based on the barriers that they face, things that are triggering them, how they react to advice that we provide them, that sort of thing. So I've created a framework called the six faces. And what it's really based on is our six main core needs as humans. Mm-hmm. Everyone has six main core needs. Okay. We have love and connection. We have certainty. We have uncertainty. We have growth, right? We have security. There's these, there's these core needs that drive all of our behaviors. And if we can understand that everything that we do is done to fulfill a core need, it's very easy to understand how some strategies maybe don't match certain identities Mm -hmm. and how some strategies do right? So for example, um, the bad boy is one of my six faces of food. Um, What's the bad boy? I got to know. What what exactly does this entail? Okay. So the bad boy is your classic self-sabotager. So every coach has experienced the bad boy, probably Mm -hmm. has some in their roster right now. So this is the client who comes to you and is like, Laura, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I just need the plan. I know exactly what to do to stay accountable. Just tell me exactly what to do and I'll do it. And so you're like, okay, rock rock on. This is a a dream client, right? So you give them the plan and they're good for a week and they're checking in with you like crazy. You get detailed text messages. They're connecting with you. It's awesome. Like dream client, right? This is an easy paycheck. And then one and a half to two weeks in, they fall off the wagon and they disappear. You can't get a hold of them. It's like Friday night and you don't talk to them again until like Monday night. And when you talk to them, you're like, fuck, I don't know what happened. I just like lost control. I woke up and I had no motivation. I have no consistency. What's wrong with me? Why does this always happen to yeah. me? I ended up in Vegas. I can't right. explain it. <laughs> what happened? I don't want to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and you're like, okay, as the coach, this is the first time this has happened. They were great up to this point. So you naturally just write it off as a, as a flop and you get back on track and you, you pep talk them back on track. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Don't worry about it. Let's go. And so they're good again, type A personality until a week and a half, two weeks later, this happens again. So the characteristics of a bad boy is their sabotage is cyclical. And the reason for their sabotage is their core need, their driver for all of their behaviors in their entire life is uncertainty. They draw, they're driven off of spontaneity. They're driven off of variety. And so when you put a bad boy on a plan that requires rigidity and consistency and no flexibility and no variety, even macros where flexibility is built in and air quotes, right? It can feel suffocating. And the thing about a bad boy is that they actually have more motivation than every other client because the entire time they're being air quote perfect, they're white knuckling it, mm-hmm. right? Because it goes mm-hmm. against their identity. So what if you built in, if you were a macro coach, what if you built in a cyclical plan where they were switching things up all the time? What if at about a week and a half, you surprised them with like a burger and fry meal out because you know that's their favorite meal. So we got get ahead of the sabotage, right? So simply by understanding the characteristics of the identity of the client you're working with, you can infuse your plan, your philosophy with all these little tricks to make sure that their plan, the adherence to their plan is effortless. That's how you're able to create adherence without ever talking about adherence. Okay, mm-hmm. Adherence has nothing to do with you texting them to make sure that they're sticking to the plan. Adherence is figuring out a way to make the plan match who they fundamentally are as a person and then allowing that to just unfold for them naturally so that when they get to the end of their journey, it's not the end. You've just shifted how they perceive the world, themselves, food, etc. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I don't want to, I don't want to assume that I know who the bad boy is completely at this point, but I feel like they would not find the word adherence super sexy. No. Uh, so I think you do need a strategy where you don't have to use a very, right. you know, unsexy word like adherence over and over again to keep them yeah, on track. For sure. What? I called the bad boy, the bad boy, because it's like, it reminded me of like a bad boyfriend who like fucks up and then do- drops off the face of the earth and then comes crawling back and says, I'll be better. I'll be better. And then drops off again. So yeah. <laughs> totally got the mental picture. He has a motorcycle. He's a, he a bl- black like, leather jacket too. Yes. He is. Yeah. yeah. I have a gif for it and everything. Okay. <laughs> I, I would love to see like the, the avatars for each one of these char- uh, characters, but this kind of reminds me. So Phil, this gets to, you know, you and I talk about frameworks a lot. And I think, mm-hmm. like I said, a lot of, organizations and coaches when we work with them I think people are so quick to go to automation and like how do we automate how do we automate you know efficiency 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 and I think this is really kind of throwing it back in the face of that mentality and really goes back to that idea that I think a framework's important like I think it's good if you have a a bit of like an overall framework on how you deliver your programming but it can't be a hundred percent the same for client to client like you can't be that rigid you have to have, maybe it's an 80, 20, 60, 40. I don't know what the percentages are, but there has to be, I think, some some consistency of your, deliver, your offering and deliverability of it mm-hmm. with the flexibility to make sure you're kind of matching and say meeting your client where they are. Yeah, yeah well, I, it's, this also gets into, so, you, you know, you definitely have been talking about connection in terms of communication and direct communication throughout the, the journey with a client, but the, the plan, the program itself is sort of a different thing too. So it sounds like you're also talking about kind of catering the plan or maybe having different flavors of the plan for these different types. 
How far does that go? I mean, do you have six different flavors of every plan or, or how far are you going with that? Yeah, let me clarify a bit for you. So with the plan, what I, what I teach doesn't change nutritional philosophy. So if you're a keto coach, you're a keto coach. If you're a macro coach, you're a macro coach. If you are a habit coach or a mindset coach or whatever, be that, okay, that's you. You should have a flow to how you work with basically every client, right? You're, you, you typically have like, okay, we start with this and we talk about this. And by the end, this is the end result that we're looking for usually, right? Mm-hmm. So every coach should have their own unique flow, but the communication piece of it is where we're really able to customize, okay? I don't believe that the program itself inside of customization is the customized piece, okay? I I think like, for example, take like a cookie cutter program and those get shit on constantly in our industry, right? Cookie cutters, bullshit, doesn't work, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. It does work for a certain identity. The Mm -hmm. identity who likes numbers, the identity who likes to know exactly what they're going to do next, the certainty focused person cookie cutter programs are suited for those people. Just because your people aren't suited for that type of program doesn't mean it's a bullshit program. It just means that the identity of the clients that you are attracting don't suit that type of program. Okay. That being said, you are creating a program for a different type of identity. So isn't it true that if you have structure inside of your program that isn't flexible for different types of personalities, that you are just as bad as a cookie cutter program? because you're pulling everyone into your world and expecting them all to relate to your program in the exact same way, which isn't possible. Okay, so customization, sure, give them their own set of unique macros, sure, give them different recipes based on their unique food choices, whatever. Okay, that could be customization, but where true customization comes in is in how you communicate with them, Mm -hmm. the questions that you ask them, the way that you coach them in the coaching sessions, the way that you approach the conversations, the way that you present the information to them, that's where true customization comes into play. Right. So I think, no, you don't need like 20 different types of programs, but I think you need to get more flexible inside of how you're communicating what people need to do. If, if you have someone who needs variety and spontaneity in your life and you just send them off their welcome packet and you check in with them every Tuesday, do they feel taken care of? Mm-hmm. No, maybe they would thrive better in a coaching relationship if you randomly texted them on Mondays and Fridays without telling them you were going to do that. Maybe if you booked in a, an extra call with them without knowing that was coming, they would feel extra supported, right? So it's just understanding what does this person need based on how they see the world so that I can show them that I'm here for them in a completely different way than anybody else ever has been. That's kind of what I mean. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And this conversation's a little bit like, cocaine for me or something like tailored <laughs> communication is just my jam so i'm very happy that this is happening right now mac help me so that i don't turn this into a two-hour podcast will you do you have anything that you can get to right now though man i'm posting instagram <laughs> stories okay. I'll, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> the um no i was posting instagram story but the that's what i was going to say is what this actually reminds me a lot of is you think about like archetypes within marketing is what mm-hmm. was kind of going through my mind as we we're going through this it, is this gets back to more and more of what we've said before. We've done pieces on this. It, it's the, the, the um, crossover. I just think is so strong as you think of it, we've said, like, think like a marketer. I yeah. think in terms of really thinking about being really intentional with the language you're using, um, trying to make sure you're catering to individuals, like you're, even though you're trying to market to, you know, you want to reach a ton of people, mm-hmm. you have to think about it as like speaking to an individual person. 
Yes. And I think this intentionality, I, I just think the more people take a step back and even though we're using a lot of technology, I think online coaching is, I think people are more prone to become robotic very quickly. Like I, yes. for some reason, I think once you equip a coach with remote coaching tools, they immediately forget how to talk to people as humans. Like it's the funniest oh, thing. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've seen this so many times in implementations and I review a lot of companies um, engagement process or their engagement like protocols and the ways in which like their communication sequences and I'll read them and I'm like, you realize you didn't ask one question. Like you were talking to a client, you're like you're pestering people. Yeah. yeah, You're talking at them and all, and these are thousand word messages. Like, oh, how do you yeah. text your friends and family? Like that's <laughs> at the end of the day, we have to be thinking it more like that and humanizing that experience. And it's yes. just like, how do we, it, it's, it, I don't know what it is. It's like coaching is so prone to go robotic. It's like, we got to like pull it back in the other direction. Yeah. So, know my, if, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Phil. Sorry. Well, if I mean, I'm starting to imagine like really practical applications now. So yeah. in, in online coaching, if you, you find yourself sort of typing up a message, say it's a text message, yeah. like what is a question to ask yourself before you hit send about that? Message? Okay. I'm so glad you're asking this because that's yes. exactly what I was just going to say. Okay, I have a rule. Okay. It's called my golden grandma rule. So would you say this to your grandma if she was your client in this situation? Love okay. It. Cause like your grandma, you want to be compassionate and empathetic. You want to make sure she fully understands. You want to really make sure that you understand what she mm -hmm. means first. You don't want to make assumptions, right? How do you, would you talk to your grandma? How would you approach this conversation? And if you look at it through that lens, it's like, oh, maybe I do need more information first. Maybe I should be more patient. Maybe I should be more empathetic. Maybe I should ask her what she means about X, Y, and Z before I make an assumption about it through my limited lens of the world, right? So I think that that's just a good little internal checkpoint, but also the internal guidance system, okay? If you feel at any point in your body that you are reactive, you need to like put it down and take a breath and understand mm -hmm. that if you reply in that instant through your lens, through your reactive egoic lens, you're missing information. You're making an assumption. You're saying something to protect your own ego so that you feel better in that moment, right? So that you remain the authority. So you remain the experts. So you uphold that shield, that armor that you're wearing so that you don't feel vulnerable, right? And if you can, if you can strip that armor away, by just taking a few breaths and reminding yourself that, okay, my ego's playing into this conversation. I need to ask more questions first. You win every time. You can never go wrong with asking a question. Okay, you can go wrong by making an assumption. This is a lesson I've learned hundreds of times over the last 13 you years. Know. Bill, that's, that's in the show notes right there, man. If you were, I mean, that's, yeah. If you, if you I, I, like I said, if you send a note to a client and you have not asked a question. I mean, how many times we see it all the time with texting yeah. friends and family. Yeah, We've all been there where you have a text exchange with somebody and someone sends a message that there's not really a way to respond to it and it kills the conversation. You know, they just say like, okay. <laughs> if, yeah. if you all should right. take that into consideration when you're communicating with clients, like you should have a question, you wrap up every message with a question. Yes. And that is so key to remote coaching. I feel like based on what I see from mine, and like I said, just my perspective, but I feel like if you're doing anything that's going to make it difficult for your client to engage back with you, mm -hmm. you probably need to take a step back and reevaluate. I mm. think that when we like to that note, uh, Mac, yeah. When we shift into um, statements and fixing and teaching, the reason why we do that always 
is because we are trying to protect ourselves, right? We don't want to be made to feel like we don't know an answer. We don't want to be made to feel like we don't know what we're doing because our client isn't progressing. And what does that mean for me as a coach if I can't get this person a result? So we get shifted into this fast track. I need to fix this now so my client can progress so that I can feel good about the results that I'm getting them. And we need to shift instead into let's slow down. It's okay. It's okay you're not progressing. Let's talk about what's going on. I'm comfortable enough in my skills as a coach to know that I don't need your results to prove to me that I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing and I'm comfortable being uncomfortable with you. Let's sit in this and let's talk about it. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a huge shift and it takes a lot of growth as a coach to be able to do that and to not freak out inside because what does this mean? I'm not going to get referrals. People are going to quit on me. I'm going to lose this client. I can't pay my bills. All of these stories are so toxic and it causes us to do things as coaches that Mm -hmm. don't serve our clients, but just serve our ego. This reminds me, and this is kind of just a quirky aside. Have y'all seen the Geico commercial? It's like the life coach for like people not becoming their parents. I haven't seen it. You need to look at this commercial and it's a genius commercial because it's basically just making fun of people as, you know, they become their parents as they get older. Yeah. And this is when, you know, coaching is becoming mainstream is the the commercial, you know, it's a 30 second commercial, but it's from uh, Geico and it's basically this this fictitious life coach who's just there to help people not become their parents. Right. And I think this is, that I should mean, be a coach. I think I, I well, and that's what I was, what I was getting to is I feel like we're talking about like, you know, this, this is like, you know, coaching for coaches. This is like therapy or like church for coaches. I feel like like everyone needs to hear this. And it's something that there's like this transition point that, you know, everyone's going through these certifications and coming out into the industry. And I have just, felt like people were just grossly ill-equipped for getting into the remote coaching game. And I, I, I think I've, I've been hoping it was getting better. And I kind of feel like it's been getting better over the past five years. Like yeah. People kind of have a better sense of like, which way's up, but not by much. I still think there's a pretty big gap once you equip people with, you know, the, and it may just be as simple as text and email, but it's like, once you take that conversation remote and asynchronous, it's like, where are we? Is yeah, it in the twilight I think- zone? I think to that, Mac, is our industry is the problem. You know, like it's not, it's not even their fault. Mm-hmm. You know, they want it, they want to help people. They have this purpose, they have this mission. So they get certified and they put all of their trust into this certification and they go through it. And their assumption is I should be able to coach people now. And I don't feel like I can. So something's wrong with me. And so then they go and search for external solutions like software or like, I don't know, email, text message, everything. And they lose even more sight of who they truly are because that's just causing them to disconnect further. We we say this internally, sorry, we so many times internally, we have had people come to us on the nudge side looking for software. And we have had conversations internally afterwards of like, they came to us for software, but software is not going to fix their problems. Oh God, no. And I'd be the first to say that. I mean, that's usually not, not the answer to most problems we see in coaching businesses for sure. It's not the answer. It's really not the answer to any problem except for um, like, if you're not organized or if you just need something to keep all of your data in one place, Mm -hmm. or it's not a coaching solution. You guys, like Mm -hmm. your software is not meant to coach for you. Not only is it not fulfilling for you, it's not serving your clients. 
Software is like fuel in the fire. If it, or like, it's like rocket fuel. If the rocket is facing the wrong direction, <laughs> you may just be going very, very quickly in a very bad direction. I feel so, like you need to make an infographic of this. I do. Like, did I you just make be... that up? <laughs> no, no, well, maybe well, I did. Be this, be no, this. Yeah. Is this just coffee I'm drinking? What is this over here? No, but I like, I think that's, people come to us and like, I need software. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think software maybe has a place here, but like maybe we need to go through like eight weeks of implementation, like rework some stuff and maybe we'll get to where we need to be here, but like not software alone is maybe going to create bigger problems. Or even like, I get this constantly, like I really want to, I really want to do trigger mapping. I really want to develop my skills as a coach, but I need my systems in place first. Like the do you mean systems like <laughs> onboard your client you fortune 500 company with what systems do you have? <laughs> but this is it you guys like our industry is teaching us that we're not enough just by ourselves we need all of these fancy things around us to make us appear valuable and the most valuable coaches are the coaches who can stand on their own with all that shit stripped away and produce the most amazing results because of the connection they're able to form with their clients. And yes, the knowledge that they have about how to create change. But first and foremost, you have to be able to connect to communicate. Wait, Laura, so are we saying the secret to all this is we need to be able to connect with our clients? Right. Is that what we've come, this is full circle, connect full circle. with your clients. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. But it's amazing. We have to talk about this, but I feel like we do. Like we have to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Like I was just talking with a coach yesterday and same exact conversation. I just said, I really want to do your, your certification, but like, I need to create all of this Canva stuff. I need to get my freebies together. I need to get my welcome pack together. I need to systematize. I need to like, oh my God, I had none of that. I had word when I first started. I had Word and email and that's all Mm -hmm. I used. And honest to God, all I still use is Gmail and Google Drive. Like you don't need it unless you want it. And if you want, if you you have clients to manage and you need a system to do so, amazing. There's options out there for you, but don't rely on it to do your job. Like that has to come from you. And if you you take the initiative to figure out who you are, because that's what it comes down to. That's what it boils down to. Your career is a gift. It allows you to look more deeply into yourself. And if you can figure out who you are as a change maker in this world, you don't need all that extra shit because you can stand on your own and you can create powerful change and you can sound original and unique because no one else is doing that. Everyone else is getting hidden behind Canva, right? So good. Hidden behind Canva, which... (laughs) We all love Canva. Canva. I'm, you know, it's funny that I came down to that. I, I, shots fired at Canva. Let it shots fired. Back. Okay. <laughs> shots fired. Well, I don't think this has been an interesting episode, so I think we need to re-record the entire thing. Oh damn. No, okay. I'm, I'm gonna do I'll a try better. Sure. <laughs> Second cool. take. Um, okay. So the, the I'm gonna wrap this up. Sure. The program is not the secret sauce. Uh, the software is not the secret sauce. Nope. You, my friend, are the secret sauce. You know, Laura, you're actually the secret sauce. Um, <laughs> where can, I guess, what are you working on? You're working on cool things. Tell us about what you're working on and where people can connect with you further. 
Yeah, amazing. So I am working on my certification called trigger mapping right now. So it's essentially where I teach you how to do all of this. Like I teach you how to connect through identity, through conversation, through communication, all of that by taking you through my framework and teaching you the skills around human psychology, emotion, empathy, to carry that forward into your unique coaching framework. So I don't teach you, this is the nutritional philosophy you should be doing. I give you something to amplify what you're already doing and to strip away all the bullshit so that the magic of you can come through so you can feel confident to be who you're meant to be as a change maker um so that's like my big baby project right now i do have another little um doodad that would be really helpful based on this conversation it's called the coaching conversation revelation so what i've done is i've stripped down the 15 most difficult conversations for coaches to navigate and i've given you a flow a framework to ask better questions and to understand why you're asking the question what you're looking for in the answer that you're getting and what to do with the answer that you're getting. So everyone here is welcome to it if they want it. I can give you a link to, to post in the show notes if they'd like to, to download that. But those are kind of the big ones. And then I'm just doing a ton of little things like I'm launching a podcast, I'm ramping up on YouTube, things like that. So I'm going to be popping up everywhere in the next in the next year. You can find me everywhere just by searching my name. There you go. Uh, Laura, and the last name is P-O-B-U-R-A-N if you're searching that. Um, check her out. Obviously worthwhile. I don't think this sucked. This didn't suck. So you, <laughs> no, I feel like I just need to end this with amen. I just feel like yeah. we, we kind of went to church amen. here. Mike amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you agree, check us out on iTunes on, uh, is it iTunes anymore? It's not. I just, I think re- it's the podcast app, Apple podcast, Apple podcast. Oh, I just like, I'm so far behind. I had no idea. It's on the either. interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> like it's on the interwebs. We're on Spotify We're old here, too. Apparently. YouTube. Etc. Etc. Uh, show yeah. us some love. Appreciate you guys, and we'll see you again next time.